Hey, Fairfax, happy baptism weekend. We are so happy to have you here with us. And we have just a couple of things to tell you about before we go on with the service today. Good news, our global impact trips are live on our website. Our young adult ministry is going to Varichada, Colombia, and they're booking flights this month. They are gonna be working with La Maria Ministries. La Maria works with women, senior citizens, people who have been incarcerated, and those dealing with addictions. If you've ever thought about doing a global missions trip, now's the time to start your planning. We are so excited about next weekend. We are welcoming special guest worship leader, Judd Harris from Vertical Worship to lead in both of our services. We sing songs from Vertical Worship on a pretty regular basis around here. So you are probably going to recognize some of the songs that will be part of our worship services next weekend. We hope that you will make sure and join us at 9.30 or 11.15 next week, the 13th. Serving as a volunteer is a great way to plug in at Fairfax. And it's an important part of furthering your walk with Christ. Our creative arts team is especially looking for male worship leaders, piano players, and people to serve on the production team. If you're interested, go to our website to sign up. That's all for us, Fairfax. We're gonna send it back to Kyle, who has our message this morning. Good morning, Fairfax. How are you doing? So good to uh, be with you um, this morning. Uh, my name is Kyle, if you don't know me. Hello to everyone that's watching us online. Everybody in the great room and everybody watching the hangar this morning, glad that you are here as well. Um, great to be um, with you this particular morning. Um, if you don't know me again, my name is Kyle, I'm one of the youth pastors, and uh, the last time I was here, um, I did not have a beard. Um, and so um, I kind of have one going here today, and I don't know if any of you took a part in this today, um, or Lexi's about a week ago. Um, apparently, there was an Instagram poll on whether I should keep my beard. Um, I don't know if any of you took part in that, but apparently, 90% of you said, go for it. So um, I, here it is. Here it is. Um, 10% of you that were appalled by it, you don't have to look up here today. It's, it's fine. It's okay. Um, uh, it's, it's a weird thing. You know, I've, I've, I grew it about five or six years ago, and it, uh, it came in this same exact way, um, gray and white and old. And five or six years ago, I felt young, so I colored it now. I'm not young. So um, here I am. Um, good to be with you guys today. Excited to be here. Mostly excited because today is baptism day. <laughs> it is baptism weekend around here. Can you just uh, show your appreciation for those that are getting baptized today? Um, it, I, I remember coming up on this stage um, year after year after year, maybe doing announcements or whatever it was to talk about that. And, and I always remember um, just saying these words about how excited I was that Baptism Weekend was coming up. Um, and I truly was because it's such an amazing weekend because you've got all these people, all right, including many children in this church today, um, all these people who are coming forward to say, you know what, I want to go public with my faith. You know, I want to I wanna declare um, that I love Jesus and that I'm, I'm excited about um, sharing my faith with everyone around. And uh, remember what we say about baptism. It's this, it's this outward sign of an inward decision that someone's made, an outward sign 
of an inward decision. So that's what we're really celebrating today. Um, That's what it means is that people who get baptized are saying, I've made this decision in my heart to follow Jesus, to accept that he died on the cross for me, and I want to go public with that um, this morning. There's a a Bible verse that gets right at this that that I want to talk about today, and it says this. It says, change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. The beginning of that verse is what I want to spend um, some time on as we begin our time together this morning. It's that idea of changing your life. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own baptism story, okay? So I was baptized when I was 25, so about four years ago, and um, here was the situation in the church that I was worshiping in at the time. Okay, um, it was a different church. Um, it wasn't uh, one of our church tribe churches. It was way back when. And um, the church was the Church of Christ. And they believed that um, the moment that you accepted Jesus, you had to be baptized. Okay, and so at this church, they kept the baptismal always full and always ready to go. Now, I know we do that as well, um, but we don't baptize every weekend. But they were ready to go every weekend. And the baptismal was right behind the pastor, right behind him, right? And so if you made that decision that day, you could get baptized in that moment. And so I was sitting there, and it was my day. You know, I felt like God had moved in my life, and it was time for me to um, only, not only accept Christ into my heart, but to declare it um, and then be baptized in the moment. Now, the thing is, at that church, they didn't quite have it all together the way that we do. So on the day that you were to get baptized, you went in with whatever you were wearing. Okay, so whatever you happen to wear to church that day um, is what you went in to be baptized with. Now here, you know, if someone makes that decision on the spot, we've got some shorts you can grab, a t-shirt you can grab. We even give you a towel. I mean, you know, I kind of, our team has it together out there, right? Um, So I went in with a pair of khakis and a sweater. Have you ever gotten a little wet and like you're running from your car into like the store or something in the rain and you get a little bit wet and it just feels a little, it's kind of heavy, right? Well, imagine under, up, khakis, bulky green sweater. I gained 100 pounds right there in that moment. And then afterwards, you know, it was like I, I came out of the water. I was dripping, drip, 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 you know, just dripping there. Uh, sat there for a minute, talked to some people. Walked out into my car, got into my car, (laughs) soaking wet, drove home, walked into my house. My roommates were like, what? I was like, praise the Lord. You know, they're like, okay. All right, time to get a new roommate. Um, It was a weird day, but, but a great day because I had been attending this church for a while where I got baptized. And I was learning and I was understanding. And I had made some changes, right? I had listened, I had heard, and I was trying to make some changes in my life that I felt would better reflect my walk with Christ. But in that moment, I wanted something more. I wanted to change my life in a way that it wasn't about what I could do, but instead what Christ could do in me and through me if I were to surrender and give it all to him. And that was what was different about that moment for me. And I think what might be different for some of the folks getting baptized today and a way that we can celebrate with them today. I wanted to change my life, as that scripture says. So at the heart of baptism, 
when people go into the water and they come back out, they are saying, I want something different for my life, something that's beyond me, something that's more than what I could do for myself. There's a verse that gives a lot of meaning to that. Um, it's in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, right? We see that symbolically where we are standing in the water. We go under and we come back out. The old has gone and the new has come. Baptism, going under the water and coming back out, is, is not what washes away our sins. It's symbolic, but it's not what washes away our sins. There's nothing about the water that is salvific, right? It doesn't provide salvation. There's nothing about the act of baptism that fulfills salvation. Baptism is this outward sign of this inward decision. Christ does the work. Christ, Christ carries our sins. Christ died for our sins. It's in Christ that we are saved. But baptism is a decision to an obedience to some ideas of following Christ, of learning his way, of living his way, of loving the way that he loves. To accept that you need a savior and accept that Christ died for your sins and for my sins. It's an act of obedience, acknowledging all of that. It's an act of obedience in true words of accepting his grace. And we're gonna, we're gonna plow through that idea today of what grace is all about. Um, I wanna start that by asking you guys to look at a picture um, up on the screen. Does anyone recognize that? Raise your hand if you recognize that stonework. Raise your hand if you recognize that. Okay, a few of you. Okay, look at this picture. Do you recognize it now? Okay. Now you're with me, right? Okay, so as you walk into... Our building, there is this stonework that's in front of the building, okay? This was, um, this was done by a person in our church. His name was Dave Stiegler. Um, Dave was on our board at the time. He was um, part of our leadership. He's also a very talented architect and um, urban planner and all these different kinds of things. And Dave came up with this idea. And what you see is this, okay? On one side of the red line, on this side of the red line, you have broken stone, brokenness. On the other side of the red line, which represents the blood of Christ, you have whole stones. You have wholeness. And it's there on purpose. It's there to remind us. It's there for us to embrace that on this side of a relationship with Christ, on the, on the back side, if you will, is, is where we find our brokenness, right? We live in the brokenness. But through the power of Christ, through the blood of Christ, on the other side of that, we find wholeness, all right? Um, every time you come into this building, you cross over that stonework that is this um, expression of this idea, something maybe that, that we should embrace more and more. Now, um, a number of years ago, um, we took our students, um, we were over in the hangar, and uh, I like doing field trips, okay? Over the years, as the youth pastor of this church, we've done some weird field trips. Um, a couple of them have been, um, well, I'll just tell you about one of them. We haven't done it at this church yet. It's a little more dangerous. But in our old building, I took all the kids up on the roof. 
And you're like, that wasn't dangerous there. And I'm like, well, not as much. It was like six feet high, okay? Bear with me. So we took everybody up on the roof to talk about that story where the, Jesus, where the friends pound through the roof and rip it apart and lower Jesus down. I had like this, um, I had an incredible Hulk mannequin that I lowered down. It was really fun. Um, but it was weird, but they got the point, right? But we took all the kids out here to the stonework and I explained it to them like I just explained it to you. And we're all done. And one of the kids goes, oh uh, yeah, I got a question. So sure, what's your question? He goes, so I get it. He goes, you know, like broken on this side and hole on this side. So he goes, so when I pass back over, when I'm inside the building, I'm good. But when I go back over, I'm all broken again, right? And I can do whatever I want. He's like, no. I go, let's go back over it, guys. Let's go over this again, okay? Okay, I love students. I love them. They actually ask amazing questions. Um, so here's the thing. We go from broken to whole, right? We go from broken to whole through the power of the blood of Christ. A couple of Bible verses that kind of get at this that are, that are important for us to understand. In Romans 12, 2, it says this. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Um, we're, we're transformed through the blood of Christ, and then he begins to work on us and work on our brains and work on who we are. Be transformed through the renewing of your mind. And God says living in his grace also requires action. It says, turn from your wicked ways and reform your actions, Jeremiah 35, 15. And God also says that a person who accepts grace um, needs to honor God by what's said in Hebrews 10, 22, which is this, draw near to God with a sincere heart. You should think about yourself in a new way. <laughs> Right? God's saying, when you're in a relationship with me, when you've accepted that I died on the cross for you, understand that you are a recipient of this grace. Okay? Today, my goal and what I want to do all the rest of our time this morning is just to hit you with a bunch of different ways to think about grace, some word pictures, what scripture has to say, some ideas for you to think about this gift of grace, this incredible thing that God gives us. Because in a few minutes, you know, not long from when we're done here, um, we're going to witness a number of people, you guys, including a bunch of little kids who are going to be obedient and be baptized and enter into this idea of grace that we're going to flesh out and, and talk about this morning, okay? So um, a couple of things about grace to think about. First thing is this, okay? Grace is an undeserved free gift from God that's unlimited, it's an undeserved free gift from God that's unlimited, okay? God held nothing back and holds nothing back in giving us grace. It's unlimited. God even sent his own son into the world to die for you and me, right? So that we can enjoy salvation in his grace. Um, a couple of well-known theologians write about it this way. J.I. Packer wrote in his book called Knowing God. Listen to this. It's, it's amazing. He says, in the New Testament, grace means God's love and action toward men who merited the opposite of love. Grace means God moving heaven and earth to save sinners who could not lift a finger to save themselves. Matthew Henry, in his commentary in the Bible, writes this. Grace is a free, undeserved goodness and favor of God. Grace is the soul in new life in the soul. Grace unlocks and opens all and enlarges the soul. 
And of course, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Let me give you a word picture to sort of think about this idea. Um, How many of you guys, raise your hand if you like New York City. Raise your hand if you're a fan of New York City. All right, raise your hand if you are like, no way, okay? All right, wow, we're 50-50. We're gonna have a fight in here this morning, okay. Um, We're 50-50 on that, okay. I am a I love New York City kind of person. Now, I don't go there all that much, but I love going there. I was up there recently, a year ago, April, to do a wedding, and this is kind of in the middle of the pandemic, and um, I went up, and, and I, I went up early before the wedding started, and I wanted to run through Central Park, okay? So I ran through Central Park, and at 5.30 in the afternoon, I was coming back, and I thought, do I get on the subway and go all the way back to this hotel, or do I just run back? So I decided to run back at 5.30, and at 5.30 in the afternoon, I ran down the middle of Fifth Avenue, with no cars because of what was happening. Anyway, I love going there, and I think I trace it back to when I was a kid. Um, When I was six, okay, when I was six, my dad had a Camaro. How cool is that? He's like, what kind of car does your dad have? A Camaro. (laughs) Okay, you know, what kind of car does your dad have? Impala. Oh, boo. Okay, Um, so I had this, he had this Camaro, right? And they're not a big car, right? But he stuffed our family, the four of us, into the Camaro, and we drove from Indiana to New York City, okay? And I remember as a six-year-old being just, you know, I don't know if you, how many of you have been to Indiana? Okay, we've got corn. We got a lot of corn. We don't have a lot of skyscrapers. We don't have any mountains. We don't have that much neon. So I'm like, wow, you know, it was this thing. And I think every time I go there, I'm just kind of awestruck by it. Um, it just, they say that for some people, it gives you energy, right? Well, the New York City gives me energy when I'm there, and it's a great thing. I love it so much that um, there's this documentary that was produced on New York City. It's like 25 episodes or something. It's hours and hours and hours, and it starts from a foundation all the way through um, about uh, five years after the World Trade Center disaster, okay? And, and it goes through the whole thing. And, um, and I like to watch it. I watch it over and over. People text me and they go, what are you doing? And I go, I'm watching TV. They go, New York City again? I'm like, yeah, New York City documentary. Um, but there's a part of it that talks about this. It talks about all the uh, people that made New York City um, great and those who um, made it better. And one of those is a man named Fiorello LaGuardia, Um, You may not know who that is, but you know his name because LaGuardia is the person that LaGuardia Airport in New York City is named after. Now, LaGuardia was um, the mayor of New York City during the Great Depression and even up till World War II. Um, He was adored by New Yorkers. He was only 5'4", okay, Um, and they called him the Little Flower, all right? And he would go around town and do really interesting things, okay? Um, he would ride on the fire trucks and go to the fires with the firemen, okay? He would go in, on police raids, all right? Um, he would take, he would go to an orphanage in the city. He would get all the kids and take them to a Yankees game, all right? Um, there was also a story about him where um, back in those days, um, pretty much what was available to you for news was newspapers. And sometimes the newspaper people would go on strike and there would be no newspapers. And so he would go in on Sunday night to the radio stations and he would read the Sunday, Sunday funnies on the air so little kids could hear them. Now, if you're like going, what's a Sunday funny? That's because you're 20 or 30. 
Sunday funnies used to be these, are they, I don't even know if they even publish these in newspapers anymore. I think they do. But, you know, they were the comics, okay? And they published them in newspapers. And he would go on, all right? And he would read them so little kids wouldn't miss their funnies. Now, this story I want to tell you took place in 1935, all right? He was known for um, going to the courts at night. In New York City, the courts operate like 24-7. Not just during the day, but at night, there would be night court, right? So he went into a courtroom one night and dismissed the judge and decided to be the judge himself, okay? And I want to read you the account of what happened because I don't want to, I don't want to just tell it. It's, more, it's better if you hear it. So here's what happened, okay? It says, within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought before him charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told LaGuardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her, her daughter was sick, and her two grandchildren were starving. But the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen refused to drop the charges. It's a real bad neighborhood, Your Honor, the man told the mayor. She's got to be punished to teach other people around her a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. $10 or 10 days in jail. But even as he pronounced sentence, the mayor was already reaching to his pocket. He extracted a bill and tossed it into his famous hat, saying, here is the $10 fine, which I now remit. And furthermore, I am going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so her grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. So the following day, the New York City newspapers reported that $47.50 was turned over to a bewildered old lady who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren. 50 cents of that amount being contributed by the red-faced grocery store owner. While some 70 petty criminals, people with traffic violations, and New York City policemen, each of whom had just paid 50 cents for the privilege of doing so, gave the mayor a standing ovation in the courtroom. Now, I want to suggest to you that this story teaches us something about the way that we should think about God, right? This God that we worship, this God that loves us, pays our price. He pays our fine. He pays it up front for us. He pays it for us. But he doesn't just pay the fine. He then sends us out with more. He continues to pour into us. He pays our price initially and then gives us more and more and more. Teaching us how to love better and live better and, and be a, a truly devoted follower of him. Right? He pays our price and he does more. See, grace means there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more. And grace means there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. I've got another picture that I want to show you this morning. This is a man named Alan Bridge. Okay, um, You probably don't know him. Um, he did um, live around here for a long time, down in Falls Church. Okay, and he started this thing um, called the Apology Hotline. Okay, and here's what it was all about: it encouraged people. He put up flyers all around, and he encouraged people to call and apologize for the wrongs against other people, without facing like legal repercussions. 
okay? And over the course of 15 years, <laughs> this line was up and running. He says he received over a half million messages from across the United States and in Canada. And he said about the hotline once, he said, this line is for ordinary people, people who feel troubled by something they did and want to reconcile those feelings by getting it off their shoulders. People confess to infidelity. People confess to theft, to racist thoughts, to domestic violence, and worse. Callers were identified, self-identified as people who had run away, um, a silent witness to a robbery, people who'd committed acts of violence. One woman apologized because she felt like she had more than she ever needed and those around her didn't have anything. One confessed to 15 or 20 muggings. Another confessed to a murder. And as I read through this article and, and all these things about it, uh, the question that kept coming to my mind was, why, why are these people calling this anonymous phone line and confessing to an electronic answering machine about all this? And the conclusion that I reached was that they are seeking grace. They're seeking grace. They don't know where to get it. Or, see, our world, which is us, sometimes is bad about showing it, right? Sometimes we don't give grace to those around us in the way that maybe we should. Um, people don't know exactly where to get it. And when they might take a chance to reveal to one of us or to anybody in the world about what's going on with them, you know, sometimes they feel judged. Sometimes they feel worse than they went in. Sometimes even if it's a good response from a friend or whatever, it doesn't last for them. It, it isn't what they really were looking for. It might feel good in the moment to get it off their chest, but it's not enough, right? Um, this story shows us that um, people are looking for a place to put their grace, or put, put their shame, and to feel grace, right? And we know, we know that truly, the only place that we can place that and have it be washed away and have it be gone and have it not rule our lives and have it not own us is... Um, over at the foot of the cross, over to Christ. Grace can, be, grace can be given to us by giving those things away. Grace is what sets apart, you know, the Christian church from, from every other religion. You know, if you think about all the other faith systems that are out there, they say, grace, yes, but first do this and this and this. Right? Earn this. Stay true to that. Make sure that you do this, but don't do that. Then God will give you grace for what you've done. The Bible doesn't teach that. Okay? The Bible says, don't fix all your mistakes and then come to me and then maintain perfectness. Okay, God says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. To finish out our time this morning before we get to witness all these incredible baptisms, um, I just want to say a few more words about um, what does it look like then? If, if, if grace is so great, you know, grace is something that we want. Grace is this gift. You know, what does it look like for, for us to, to live under grace? Um, what does a person who is under grace do and say and, and practice and think about, okay? And here's a couple of things. One is this. Um, they understand that grace is a gift that you can't earn. 
I know we've talked about that a little bit, but I wanted to give you a, another word picture of that. Um, this sounds weird as I say it um, because of the times that we live in with pandemic and all those kind of things, but um, I was at the mall a couple of years ago. Okay, seems like a weird statement these days. You know, sometimes we're not going to that, maybe you're not going to the mall at all, or maybe you don't go as much, or maybe you don't want to go. But um, I was at the mall, okay, on Fair Oaks, right up the road here, and um, there was a radio station there, and they were doing this promotion, okay? And um, have you ever been to like the beach or the arcade or um, somewhere where there's like very touristy, and they have these, these glass booths that you get in, and it's called a hurricane machine? You know, where you get in and you put in, it used to be like 75 cents, now it's like $25, and you get to feed like, they go, swipe your credit card, and it's like $100, you're like, whoa. Okay, you get in, right, and it's a glass booth, and they shut the door, and then the wind blows up to 75 miles per hour, which is hurricane strength, and it's funny, all your friends watch, and you're just getting blown all over the place, and it's crazy, right? Well, they had one of those, but the radio station was doing this promotion where they put cash inside the, the wind booth. Okay, and they'd show you like they go, okay, look, $100 bill, and they'd throw it in, and they'd throw in some other bills. There's probably all ones, right? But they throw the rest in. And this lady, I was watching this. I was like, I'm not gonna get in there because that'll be weird, but I'm gonna watch, right? I'm gonna watch. And there was this lady that was in line, and she was hyped out of her mind for this. She was like, I'm gonna get some cash today. I'm gonna get some cash. And I was like, okay. And I was like, I'm gonna watch. And she's like, so she gets in, right? She's standing there, she's smiling, you know, she's all ready to go, and they turn that thing on, and it's blowing like crazy. And the basic idea was, whatever you can grab, you get to keep. It's like 30 seconds, right? And this blowing, she's grabbing all this cash, she comes out, and she's like, ah! And she holds it up, and looks, $15. Now, $15 is $15, right? But not a ton of money, right? But you would think that they gave her a million she was so excited. I saw her later on in the mall. This wasn't a good idea either. I saw her later on in the mall. She still had the cash like this. She's walking around with going, they're giving away cash at JCPenney. And people were like, oh, all right. But she was so excited to receive this free gift. Now, what this story says to us is this. It says, you know, what God gives us is this free gift. It's available to us. It's free. All we have to do is grab it and take it. And, and he wants us to be excited about that. We should be excited about what he's given us, okay? There's a Bible verse that says this. It says, all need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. They need to be made free from sin through Christ Jesus, okay? Another thing scripture says about what a person who is under God's grace believes and does. It says that they realize they don't deserve grace. They realize they don't deserve it. You know what ties all of us together in this room this morning? We all, we all are broken. Right? We all have issues. We all have things that we wish weren't part of our lives. Um, we are all not perfect. None of us is perfect, right? None of us is perfect. We've got flaws, we fail, but God loves us anyway. I don't deserve God's love, but he gives it to me anyway. Ephesians 2.5 says this, though we were spiritually dead because of the things we did against God, 
He gave us new life with Christ. You have been saved by God's grace. That's it. You didn't deserve something, but you got it. And that's grace. That's what this means. Realize that you don't deserve grace, but that you get it for free anyway. Another thing that scripture says about what a person who is under God's grace believes and does is that they accept God's gift with faith. And that's really important. They accept God's gift with faith. Um, How many of you guys own a cell phone? Raise your hand. How many of you guys own an iPhone? All right, whatever phone you have, I want you to get it out right now. Okay, get your phone out, and I want you to um, turn on your flashlight. All right, everybody turn on your flashlight. Um, All right, if you don't have an iPhone, we'll pray for you later. Okay, that's a joke. See, I couldn't, I have a friend of mine who's always like, iPhone's terrible. Uh, I'm like, okay. Anyway, all right. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to wave your phone back and forth, all right? Wave it back and forth. Keep going, keep going. I want to get a video of this for our social media. Okay, there you go. Keep going, keep going. Wave it back and forth. Everybody's going to like, what happened at church? I was like, oh, it was a country music concert. It was really great, you know? I don't even like country music. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. Now, Now that you're thinking phone, all right, as you probably know, and if you have children, you really know this, phones are expensive, (laughs) right? Phones are really expensive to buy and to own, right? Now, I want you to imagine that you walk into um, the Apple Store or Best Buy, wherever you think they sell iPhones, right? You walk in, okay, and right there in the front, they have a huge stack of iPhones, okay? And... There's, a, there's two signs. One sign says, all right, iPhones for free, inside every box, a million dollars. All right, so you get an iPhone and a million dollars for free, and you're standing there and you're looking at it, and everybody else is standing there looking at it, going, free iPhones? million dollars? What? You're looking at each other, and you're, you're looking to see if anybody else is taking them. Like, is anybody else going to take one of these? This seems too good to be true, right? Seems too good to be true. You look around, see if anybody's doing it. You have this dilemma. Accept the iPhone and the million dollars, all right, and go and have a great time with that, or walk away and leave it there, thinking to yourself, well, I'm not, there's a catch. (laughs) Nothing is free. (laughs) Nothing is really free, right? When we accept, when we accept God's free gift of grace, we're putting our faith in him. We're saying, Lord, I accept that what you're giving me is free, truly, and that it's wonderful, and there's no catch. There's no weird catch on the other end. It is what you say it is. All I have to do is accept it. All I have to do is accept it. You're saying, God, you're in charge. The cost, I guess, if you can call that a cost, is that he's in charge. (laughs) That he, in that first verse we looked at where it says, change your life, you're saying, God, I'm done with what I can do. I've made the changes maybe that I can make. I'm ready to have you (laughs) invade my life, run my life, be at the center of my life and change me in the way that you would have me live because you've got a perfect plan for who I am and who I need to be in the world. You're saying, guide my life and make it the best that it can be. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Another thing scripture says about a person who's under God's grace, um, what they believe and what they do. They know they will need grace again and again. If you accept God's grace, it does not mean that you are a perfect person. If you get baptized, it doesn't mean that you're a perfect person. You're gonna mess things up. Um, I do, you will, we all will. Quite frankly, you know, we need this grace constantly. It means that I know I'm going to need God's grace and that I'm counting on it. And I'm gonna live out of that. And the last thing that scripture says about what a person who is under God's grace believes and does is that they encourage others by extending that grace. You know, God's grace is for us. Those of us who have accepted it, it's awesome. We can enjoy it and we can savor it. But God's grace is not this treat to just save and hide, right? Think about everything that, that, that extends around baptism. Jesus himself wanted to be publicly baptized. Baptism, baptism is public, right? Um, he wanted people to experience salvation and grace, not to hide it, but to live out of it and show it to the world. Everything about baptism, everything about grace, everything about salvation is to be shown and shared and given and extended to those around us. There's another great verse, Colossians 3.13, that says, be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. God's grace is for us. It's a model for how to live. It's a model for how to love and how to extend to the people around us. That stonework in front of our building reminds us that through Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, we go from broken to whole. Today, you guys, today, dozens of people are getting baptized. Many of them over half little kids, little children who in obedience are stepping forward today to say they love Jesus and they want people to know that. And you know as adults in your journeys about how you've experienced grace over the years and how it's risen. I am so honored and so excited um, to be able to step in for our pastor today and be at the beginning maybe of this journey for some of the children of our church to begin to feel God's grace maybe in a new way today and what they will experience next and next and next. Such an amazing and an exciting thing for them. And here's the thing, if, if you're here today and you've never been baptized or you didn't make that decision for yourself and you're like, I wanna make that decision today, you can do that, All right? You don't have to go in with your khaki and green sweater. <laughs> We've got a way for you to do that. You just stop outside to the left. You'll see somebody there and say, hey, I wanna get baptized. They'll hook you up on that, okay? You can make that decision today, all right? Um, if you are in the sanctuary this morning and you are one of those folks that's getting baptized, um, please feel free now to go ahead and get up and make your way out there. I'm gonna join you um, in just a couple of minutes. For everyone else, will you just 
join with me in celebrating what we're about to see in these decisions that are being made um, this morning. I hope that this is a, um, a truly um, moving moment for you. It's, it's, it's emotional and moving for me. I feel honored to be able to be here today. Um, and I just wanna pray um, for us as we move into this time, this incredible time to watch folks make this decision and in obedience be baptized. So will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, um, <laughs> Lord, thanks for who you are. Thank you for being this God that gives us this free gift that we can't earn, that we don't deserve, but you give to us anyway. God, you love us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. Lord, let us be reminded every time we come into this building about our brokenness and how you make us whole. And we're thankful for these people that are getting baptized today. We pray for their journeys. We pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and they would feel your love in a special way today. So God, we love you. We thank you for the chance to be here today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.